We're going to look at the 11th and 12th chapter of the book of Ecclesiastes. So you've got the book of Psalms, the book of Proverbs, then the 12 chapters of uh, the book of Ecclesiastes. And so that was this morning's reading assignment. It's the 12th chapter on the 12th day. So that's what I read this morning. Let me read these two. They're not that long. Cast your bread upon the waters, for after many days you will find it again. Give portions to seven, yes to eight, for you do not know what disaster may come upon the land. If the clouds are full of water, they pour rain upon the earth. Whether a tree falls to the south or to the north, and the place where it falls, there it will lie. Whoever watches the wind will not plant, whoever looks at the clouds will not reap. As you do not know the path of the wind or how the body is formed in a mother's womb, so you cannot understand the work of God, the maker of all things. Sow your seed in the morning, and at the evening let not your hands be idle. For you do not know which will succeed, whether this or that, or whether both will do equally well. Light is sweet, and it pleases the eyes to see the sun. However many years a man may live, let him enjoy them all. But let him remember the days of darkness, for they will be many. Everything to come is meaningless. Be happy, young man, while you're young, and let your heart give you joy in the days of your youth. Follow the ways of your heart in whatever your eyes see, but know that for all these things God will bring you to judgment. So then banish anxiety from your heart, cast off troubles from your body, for youth and vigor are meaningless. Remember your creator in the days of your youth before the days of trouble come. In the years approach when you will say, I find no pleasure in them. Before the sun and light and the moon and the stars grow dark and the clouds return after the rain, when the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men stoop, when the grinders cease because they are few, and those looking through the windows grow dim, when the, sound, when the doors to the street are closed and the sound of the grinding fades, when men rise up at the sound of birds, but all their songs grow faint, when men are afraid of heights and of dangers in the street, when the almond tree blossoms, and the grasshopper drags himself along, and desire no longer is stirred. Then man goes to his eternal home, and mourners go about in the streets. Remember him before the silver cord is severed, or the golden bowl is broken, before the pitcher is shattered at the spring, or the well, wheel well broken. And the dust returns to the ground it came from, and the spirit returns to God who gave it. Meaninglessness, meaningless says the teacher, everything is meaningless. Not only was the teacher wise, but also he imparted knowledge to the people. He pondered and searched out and set in order many proverbs. The teacher searched to find just the right words, and what he wrote was upright and true. The words of the wise are like goads. They're collected sayings like firmly embedded nails given by one shepherd. Be warned, my son, of anything in addition to them. Of making many books there is no end, and of much study there is weariness of the body. Now all has been heard, as all has been heard, 
Here's the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandment, for this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including everything hidden, whether good or evil. I want to reference my mom a couple of times. She was almost 95 when she died, and she had a great life. She was a happy woman. Uh, she lived through a lot. She lived through the Depression in South Florida. Uh, she, she, well, she just went through a lot. Uh, she came to the end of her life. I think I've told this story to some of you all before, but she came to the end of her life, and she was 95. Now, when she was 60, the church that we were a part of got a new pastor. So he was there until he was 65. So he was my mom's pastor for the last third of her life. So it's her funeral. Here are all the people there. Here's my mom's casket down here. And he says, after he'd read some various texts and talked about the resurrection, he said, you know, I always try and say something about members, especially ones that I was close to, and Florence and I were very close. He says, now one thing you need to know about Florence, if you, if you know Florence, you knew she was a stinker. Now I want you to just think about that. Here's a Presbyterian pastor in a Presbyterian church, talking about a woman who has just died who is 95, and he calls her a stinker. Now, any of you know me, know that the fruit didn't fall far from the tree. My mother was a joy, but that doesn't mean everything was always easy. Jesus came into her life at a very young age. When she sent my daddy away to war, sent him a self-winding wristwatch, sent him a Bible. And I've got that Bible in a Ziploc bag at the house. That Bible was well used. Went through the Depression. It could go on and on and on. She said, the thing down there, if you were in South Florida and you talked about hurricanes... They never talked about the old ones without talking about the storm. They never called it the hurricane of 1924 or anything like that. They merely called 28. They called it the storm. She was there for the storm. I'll tell you one last, one last thing about my mom during that. She went to the Presbyterian Church after that hurricane. There were no walls. There were no pews. All that was there was the pulpit. And on top of the pulpit was the old pulpit Bible still there. It was all tattered up, but it had rained on it. And it had become like a huge brick. And it just sat there through the whole hurricane. Mom said the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of God abides forever. That's the way she thought of it. Now, life wasn't easy. Now, you look at this passage of Scripture. God is calling each of us to live our life in the light of his goodness. Throughout this passage, it's talking to us 
about the goodness of our God. And it's calling us to a life of faithfulness in the light of God's goodness. God's going to be good. Now, there's a little saying that came out of Africa. Some of you have heard it before. God is good. What's every day? Every day, God is good. That's the truth. We need to hold on to that. And that's what this passage is really teaching us here. You you see in the first verse, he's telling us that life is for action. Look at it. Cast your bread upon the water. Look down at verse 6. Sow your seed in the morning. Down at verse 9. Be happy. These These are tremendous words when we look at the life around us. A lot of the times we need this kind of direct encouragement. Maybe there's a hymn that kind of sums this up. It was written in Savannah, Georgia, called This Is My Father's World. He shines in all that's fair. We need to remember this as we think about God. Now, As we look at this passage of scripture and as we turn to chapter 12, we're told to remember the creator in the days of our youth. It's never too young to remember our God. This one pastor had a little boy. He was six years of age. Now, this is back when we know when our churches used to have hymn sings. Remember those? Kind of fun. The little boy was asked, what's your favorite hymn? He would stand up and sing, six years old, Years I spent in vanity and pride, Knowing not Christ was crucified. That's the kind of life we want to have from the beginning. Knowing our creator from our youth. Uh, Chip made a quote Sunday, Too soon old, Too what? Smart? Too late smart is what he was quoting. We grow old too quickly. We grow smart late in life very often. To be smart early, we remember our creator every day. We see him as being not merely God, but our God. And then when life shuts down, we have a very good perspective during those days. Yesterday I was counseling with a young man, just broke 30, just got a great job. It's his dream job. It's his dream job. He, he, he's where he wants to be. And he is totally consumed with his dream job. Uh, no margin, uh, not a great paying job, takes care of him. But we talked about this. And I said to this man, you know, unless you put some margin into your life, you won't have time to think about God. You won't be having time to be with the people of God. You won't have time to reflect on what God's done for you. He believes all of this God's done for him. There's no margin. And I looked at him and I says, we'll meet right here in front of Starbucks. You'll be 45 and you'll say life is just like it was 15 years ago. He looked at me and right out of his mouth he said, that's not good. 
It's not good. And we've got to fight against that in the busyness and the harriedness of the life in which we live. Now look at it in verse, uh, chapter 11, verse 1. Cast your bread on the waters. Some of the translation says on many waters. And after many days, you will find it. In other words, you've got to learn to invest in things early in your life with the expectation that the dividends of these things are not going to come immediately. They're going to come later, after many days. So we, we sit there and we think about this life and we invest positively in it and we, have the, we need to have a life that has a numerous interest. That's one of the things it's saying here. We think about King David. When King David was at his youngest, we remember him as a shepherd. We think as King David moves along, at some point in time he becomes a musician. At some point in time along, he becomes a hero. Another point in time, he becomes a leader. Another point in time, he becomes a writer. We need to be people who are not merely one-dimensional people. And sometimes that's very hard to do. We get into a narrow rut and do the same things the same way over and over again. And just honestly, you get to the end of your life and you don't know much. You can't relate broadly. You're not prepared for the things. If anybody's in retirement, they know you've got to be pretty flexible in your retirement things change, they change quickly in later years, and sometimes they don't change the way we want them to. And if, if people haven't developed this skill early by having a variety of interests, well, life's very hard on them. People that have lots of interests, especially with their church family, they're able to move on. You look at this passage of scripture and you see, cast your bread on many waters. Well, what about a woman? We talked about David, but think about Proverbs 31, the last chapter of that book of wisdom. The bulk of the chapters given to this exemplary woman. This is a woman that knows how to take care of her husband, knows how to take care of her family, knows how to do physical things, a variety of them, is involved in investing and buying a field. Women need to develop and expand their lives. The more our lives are invested in a multitude of areas, the more sustainable our life is. And this is what the writer here is saying. Look at it in another way. It's basically saying the same thing in verse 2. Give your portions to seven or to eight. You don't know what disaster may come upon the land. Now you're beginning to see that there's a dark picture in the bright light. Something can happen. You're doing the right things in your life, but there are these things that happen. I'm thinking about people that I was involved with at the church at Lake Oconee. They came down there. They had their retirement. They bought their golf course home, their lake lot. They built on it. They a lot of them put a lot of money in, in loans, and then the stock market fails, the housing market fails, the bank wants their money, they're upside down on their house, and you can make some huge mistakes. 
What is he saying here uh, in, a, in an American way of expressing, give your portions to seven or eight? What was the old adage that we used to hear from wisdom from our culture? Don't put... Isn't it amazing? You know these things. It's not wise. Don't do this. What's the, what's the word picture? You got all these eggs in one basket, and then what happens? You drop it. It breaks. It's gone right now. And we've seen this happening to people. Look, with people, with people, have friendships. You got a neighborhood, learn to be a neighbor. My next door neighbor comes and he gets. If I need, I get. It's back and forth. It's always been that way. I tell a neighbor moves in, look, if you need a ladder, I've got more ladders than I need. You need this, I've got stuff. We need a neighborhood. We have places at work. The joy of a place at work where there's many people is we come to be valuable to somebody at the workplace. You know, we may not have any value to that person at work any other place than when we're at work, but when we're at work, we're a part of making their day at work. They may live 20 miles in the other direction. We may hardly ever see them other than at work, but they know at work we can be depended on. We've got to depend on other people. That's a part of having your investments in people. We have a community. We have a church. We need to have many friends. You never know. Some of these people have had one or two best friends. They're taking out of the equation. And life gets bitter because we haven't invested broadly enough. Invest money in savings for a rainy day, putting aside for the future. Uh, being able, like the woman in Proverbs 31, to invest in a field. Being rich towards God, giving to the poor. We give our portions out. We don't know when disaster is going to come. Another passage in the, this uh, book, and it says, He who waters meaning he who helps other people will be well watered. So if we help people, then when our time of need comes, people come to us and meet the need because we've been there for one another. This is the picture here of wisdom. Now look at verse 3 with me and verse 4. The language in 1 and 2 is, cast your bread, give portions, be active. In verse 3, it's a person that does not know how to live in God's world. That's what the picture is in verses 3 and 4. Here's a person and they look at the clouds. Boy, looks like it could rain. Here's the person who looks at a tree. Mm. 
That tree is in a dangerous position. Then look at verse 4. The one who watches the wind, watches the clouds, will not plant. They're paralyzed. Whoever looks at the clouds won't reap. They're paralyzed. They don't see this as being God's world. They see this world as a place that's a threat to them. And when things come up that aren't just perfect, they feel threatened and they withdraw. Now, you may have fears like that. And if you have, then look at a passage of Scripture. This isn't exactly like the John 3.16 verses and things like that. But this is God's word. And it's God's word for you, and it's God's word for me. If we have a tendency to be threatened by the society or the world around us, then we'll act that way. We put ourselves, these people are putting themselves in small boxes when God has a great world. And we, God wants us to have a great life. And a great life is built upon seeing this is God's world. He's the creator. I'm God's child. He created me. He's given me gifts. He's given me talents. He's given me abilities. He's given me warmth, kindness. I need to be out and about with people sharing these things. Giving and receiving. Giving and receiving all through life. That's what a life is all about. None of us are an island. None of us can stand by ourselves. Uh, But when we stand together as a community, as a Christian community, we have the ability to stand against a tremendous amount of opposition. Look at what you can't control in verse 5. You don't know the path of the wind. I remember after high school, we went surfing. My dad took me and a bunch of the buddies. We got in the big old four-door sedan and had four surfboards and the little family pop-up camper, and we went up to Fort Pierce. The hurricane had gone all the way up to Jacksonville. Man, we were out there in the surf. The waves were as high as this area above my head here. We were. My dad can't swim. He looked at us like, if you get in trouble... It's all yours. I mean, we are out there. We, 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 it might take us 30 minutes to get through the waves just to ride something for 10, 15 seconds at the most. And then it would take us another 20 minutes to get out through the waves to do it again. So we went to bed. Wind was howling. Oh, we just slept. We were exhausted. Next morning, bang, 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 bang. It was my cousin. She lived in the little town where we were at. She says, don't you know that hurricane's turned around? It's directly south of you. It's going to go to where you live. You've got to get home. Look, if we would have known that hurricane was coming like that, I would have missed a good day of surfing. <laughs> we had a great day. That's a day of my buddies and I, and if my dad was still living, we'd remember it forever. It's memorable. Look, this is God's world. You're God's child, and you're safe in this world. We need one another, but if we act like this, if we look at things that we can't control and begin to determine ourselves and what we're going to do, we can't do these things. We can't understand the work of God. He's the maker of all things. So look at the concluding verse in 6. This is what you've got to do. 
You've got to sow in your life. Sow your seed. What is your seed? What is it that God has called you uniquely to do? Some of you have talents and unique areas that are almost not duplicable. You need to be doing what God's called you to do, your seed. You need to be doing that. Don't wait on other people to do it. Don't, you might not be able to find a group of people that can do what you do. You do your part. You do it in the morning. Don't let your hands be idle at night. Keep involved. Do these things. And then success, we don't know where success is going to come from. Uh, We don't know when it's going to come. We don't know how God's going to bless us. But we know this, God's going to take care of us. Now you come down to verse 7. It's talking about, again, life and light. My mom loves South Florida. I don't remember the name of this little um, malady that people get from cloudy days, but my mom would never have been able to survive in Grand Rapids, Michigan in the winter because the sun typically shines like about five days all winter in Grand Rapids, Michigan. My mom wouldn't have made it there. Days like this, my mom could handle. How many days we had now? About three? My mom would be getting a little funny right about now. It'd be the time to come home late. It'd be time to slip into that bed and pull the covers down because mom might not be in a good mood after three days like this. Now, if the sun came out, 35 minutes, she was on top of her game. Light's good. It's good for the eyes. Now, when he gets into verse 8, it's telling us there can be many years for us to live and how much are we to do enjoy. What does it say? All of them. All of them. There have been some people that have gone through some very terrible times. Um, I'm thinking of a young lady named Darlene Diebler who was taken captive by the Japanese as a missionary in 1942. She was in an internment camp with a bunch of women that were American and Dutch and from all over the world that were, their husbands were doing business when they were overrun by the Japanese army. Men in one camp, women in the other. It was pretty brutal. It was pretty brutal. And Darlene Diebler was made the camp commander at age 24. She was about the youngest mature woman in the camp of a couple of thousand women, and she was made the leader. But she had a gift. God gives you lemons. What? Make lemonade. She arranged parties. She did all kinds of things in that camp. The Japanese commandant of that camp went back to Japan, opened a bicycle shop. Darlene Diebler in later life was in Japan. Mentioned that she had been in this internment camp. Mentioned it to a group of Christians in Japan. They said to her, 
do you remember and called the commandant's name of that camp? She says, what happened to him? He has a bicycle shop in the next town. He's a Christian. Why? Because in the darkest hours, when we see that we belong to God, the light comes on for us. We can live and make a difference in these situations. We're to be happy all the days of our life. I was having a Bible study on this in college. I asked a young gentleman sitting on the couch in my living room, what would make you happy? He said, a nice house with a swimming pool and a Dodge Turbo and a wife. I said, you're in trouble. We worked for a very long time to help him to realize that the Ford Pinto with ratty interior, with only one window that went up and down and smoked, he could be happy. If you can't be happy where you're at today, it's almost guaranteed you're not going to be happy tomorrow. That's why he's saying you have to remember these things when you're young. You have to cultivate this. It's not something that comes to us. It's not something that happens to us. It's something that we make decisions about because we believe this is God's world and we believe we're God's child. So he says to be happy. Look, follow the ways of your heart. Do things. Follow your heart. Now, you know, that's just modern. That's, you just hear that everywhere. You'd think it was a novelty. Here it is. It's in the book of Ecclesiastes. But know that God will bring these things to judgment. We live in God's world. We have to be responsible living in God's world is what it's saying here. By the way, when it says everything back here in an earlier verse is meaningless in this chapter, basically he's talking about death. So when we move on to death, there's no life here in this world. Now in verse 10, look at the action. Banish anxiety from your heart. Banish it. That's a pretty strong order, isn't it? If I was just to tell somebody that was a little down, you need to banish anxiety from your heart. They might say, can you give me a chapter and verse for that? That would be pretty tough stuff for counseling. That's what the text says. Who's responsible for your heart? You are. I am. Nobody else can be responsible for your heart. Banish anxiety from it. Cast off troubles from your body. Uh, Y'all have anything difficult happen in the last few days? Huh? I have. Now let me ask you, what's marking your life today? Who you are as a child of God or the troubles you had two or three days ago? You can make a choice about this. You can bundle them up and carry them around. Or you can do what God wants you to do as his child. Throw them away. You can't do anything about them. This is what he's saying. 
when he says youth and vigor here, it's not, I don't think the word is meaninglessness, meaningless. I think the word actually there is fleeting. Youth and vigor are fleeting. Have anybody found that to be true? Looks like everybody here knows the meaning of that word. Youth and vigor are fleeting. So you start this stuff early. You keep this going every day. If something comes in to inhibit it, you get back on track. Now, where's the end of it? Well, chapter 12, but listen to this. Our life is hidden with Christ and God. That's because we belong to him, the Heavenly Father. When Christ is who is our life is revealed, we'll be revealed with him in glory. This life is meant to give way to God's life, a glorious life. If we live each day in the light of that, we'll find joy and happiness. We'll be a joy to somebody else and we'll make a difference for Christ. Let's pray. Father, bless us, keep us, help us to see the practicality of these very practical words. Help us to be wise in all that we do. Now bless us in Jesus' name, amen.